What a joy it is to have you listening today. I pray God bless you and speak to you. I'll be taking the text today from 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 3. And the title of this message is A Soldier That Pleases. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. God, I ask now that you would empty me of myself. God, I ask that you cleanse me of my sin and fill me with your spirit. God, would you put a seal upon my mouth that I would say everything that needs to be said and I would not say anything, God, that you would not have me to say. God, I rejoice today that we're living in a day and an hour where we need good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And so, God, I ask that you would make every one of us a soldier that pleases. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God desires that we be soldiers for Jesus Christ. And God has called us to a war. God has called us to a battlefield. And make no mistake about it, we are in the fight of our lives. And we're fighting not for victory, but we are fighting from a place of victory because of what Jesus Christ has purchased for us when He paid with His blood, His precious, pure, powerful blood. And now God has called us to labor so that we may win other souls that don't yet know Jesus Christ. I want to share with you four principles of a soldier that pleases Jesus. I want you to see, number one, that to be a soldier that pleases Jesus, we must enlist in the army. We must enlist in the army. Brother and sister, God's will for every man, every woman, every boy and every girl is that they be saved. Jesus said in John chapter 3, He said it this way, that we must be, that ye must be born again. God desires that every single human being enter into the family of God. God is not willing that any should perish. God desires that all people come to repentance and the acknowledgement of the truth that is in Jesus Christ. God wants you to be saved. Today you need to hear this, that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. It doesn't matter how far out into sin you have traveled. Jesus Christ wants to save you. 
It doesn't matter what little experience you may have with sin. Jesus Christ wants to save you. There's nothing you've done that Jesus will not or cannot forgive you for. Jesus, His blood can wash away all of your sin. He can make you justified, righteous in the sight of God. But I want you to know this. Salvation is not just a ticket to heaven. But salvation is also your enlistment in the army of Jesus Christ. Yes, that's correct. God didn't save you to sit on a pew. God didn't save you to drop 10% in the offering plate. God didn't save you to only sing in the choir. While all those things are good, God saves you that you may be a soldier in the army of the Lord. Jesus wants you, first of all, to enlist in the army. If you're saved today, you've been drafted into God's army. The first thing that can make you a soldier that pleases is to enlist in the army. If you've never been saved, today is the day of salvation. Why not trust this crucified and resurrected Savior as your personal Savior today? I remember when I was saved at 21 years old, it was something like this. God, I know that I'm a sinner. And God, I am grieved that I've sinned against you. And God, I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to die for me as me. And that when Jesus gave His life upon the cross, He paid my sin debt. And God, today I repent of my sin. And I put my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. My dear friends, at that very moment, I experienced a miracle called salvation. And that's not just true for me. Anyone and everyone that has ever been saved, they have come by the way of the cross. And you can call on Jesus and be saved today. In order to be a soldier that pleases, number one, we must enlist in the army. Number two, I want you to see this. To be a soldier that pleases Jesus, we must endure in adversity. Verse 3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now I wish that I had come to tell you today that if you'll get saved and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior that your life will be easy, but I would not be telling you the truth. The Christian life is full of many dangers, toils, and snares. The Christian life is full of suffering and hardship and adversity. But the good news is we don't have to endure this hardness alone. We have a friend now in Jesus that sticks closer than a brother. You may be freshly saved. You may be newly saved. And you're thinking to yourself right now, wow, this Christian life is a lot harder than I thought. That's exactly what I thought after I got saved. 
No one told me that I had now engaged in the battle of the ages between good and evil, between heaven and hell, and between the Satan and the Savior Jesus Christ. And that the spoils of war were the souls of men and women. For there's a very precious, precious price on the souls of men and women. And we have been called not to a cruise ship, but to a battleship. We have been called not to popcorn and cotton candy, but to a road less traveled. We have been called to endure in adversity. Let me give you a few areas of adversity that every Christian must endure. We must endure the adversity that comes from the flesh. Every one of us still has flesh. The flesh gets tired and weary of doing well. That's why Paul says in Galatians, Grow not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap a harvest, if we faint not. See, the flesh wants to go back to the former pleasures that used to be. We all battle with this same flesh. We all are in this battle against our flesh. You may have heard it said that God has saved your spirit, but your body and flesh have not yet been redeemed. Every one of us endures the adversity of the flesh. A second area that we must endure is the adversity that may come from our family. Brother and sister, I want you to know, Jesus did not come to bring peace, but He came to bring a sword. See, truth divides parents from children and children from parents. See, when you get saved, you become a new creature. You are no longer a citizen of this earth, but your citizenship is in heaven. And God has called you to not be conformed to this present evil world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And He has called you as a soldier of Jesus Christ to so let your light shine. And brother and sister, when your light shines, it exposes the works of darkness. It exposes the works of evil. And as God transforms your life, as you renew your mind, your lifestyle will bring conviction on those that are lost and those that are not seeking Jesus Christ. And sometimes this can bring unseen adversity from family members. Not all family members are going to be excited as you are and as your pastor is and as your church is about you serving Jesus Christ. I have heard some parents that have told their saved children that they've gone too far, that they're taking church way too serious, that they're taking serving Jesus too serious. And I've seen Christians have to endure the adversity from family. Another third area that you may have to endure adversity may be from friends. Not all friends will support you in this new life that you have. Listen, friends, they may be confused because they don't understand how you can change so fast. Especially when they have no appetite for the things of God in the church. 
Many of them, look, they, they know that they should be doing the same thing that you are, but they're not ready yet. Often they will try to discourage you because your devotion brings conviction to their soul. Brother and sister, not all your friends are going to be your friends at the end of this thing. As I look back even over my own life, my own personal testimony, I had people tell me, John, we are glad that your life is better, but you're taking this Jesus thing too far. I've even had someone tell me, how long are you going to serve this God of yours out of the guilt of your past? Move on now, John. Move on. Some of you may have to endure adversity from friends. Some of you may have to endure adversity from foes. Look, brother and sister, I want you to know this. There are people who simply want to find something wrong with you. There's going to be people out there that are your enemies. They're going to hate Jesus. They're going to hate Christianity. They're going to hate Christians. And they're going to hate the church. And you're going to have to endure those that mock you. Those that uh, make fun of you. Those that scourge you. You'll have to endure the foes. There are foes of Christianity. And if you want to be a soldier that pleases Jesus Christ, you must endure in adversity. Look, not only must we enlist in the army by being saved... Not only should we endure in adversity, number three, we need to engage in the action. See, our endurance in adversity is more of a defensive position. But we do not play defense only. We must play offense. We must not only defend, but we must advance. And that means we must engage in the action. The Bible says in verse 4, No man that warreth. See, we are in a war. We are to be fighting for truth and for right and for the souls of men and women. We must engage in the action. It is not just enough to do right. It is not just enough to fight doing wrong. We must engage in the advancement of the kingdom of light and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. God has not just called you to leave alcohol. God has not just called you to leave drugs. God has not only called you to leave fornication. God has not only called you to leave idolatry. But God has called us out of sin and out of the world that He may bring us into activity, that He may bring us into action. I want to give you four points of action that we must engage in. Number one, we need to engage in preparation. Listen, every child of God must prepare themselves for the work of God. Peter says it this way, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. See, every new believer becomes a baby spiritually. And we must read and digest the milk of God's Word that we may grow up, that we may be stronger, that we may be prepared to engage in this battle. Brother and sister, a call to salvation is a call to discipleship. And discipleship is preparation. And we prepare by 
desiring the milk of God's Word. The Bible says that we should study to show ourselves approved. A workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Brother and sister, we prepare ourselves by reading God's Word, by studying God's Word in our life. Not only this action of preparation, but we must engage in the action of prayer. Yes, God desires that every believer have a prayer closet. Did you know that prayer is the means by which we stay in communication with our commanding officer? It's our line of communication from the battlefield back to home base. It's how we communicate with our commander and receive encouragement. We receive instruction. We receive the battle plans and the assignments that our commanding officer has for us as his soldiers in this war, in his army. We must find a place to pray. Prayer doesn't have to be fancy. Prayer doesn't have to be clever. It's just us bringing our mind and our heart to God and talking with God and hearing back from God, we must be sure that we engage in prayer. This third action that we must engage in is giving. God has called every believer to be a giver. I heard one man say that we're never more like God than when we're giving. That God has called us to give sacrificially. God says that every man should give as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly out of necessity, but God loveth a cheerful giver. Brother and sister, part of being a Christian in the army of God is giving faithfully. To begin with, you should give one-tenth of all your increase. That's the beginning point of giving. We should give God $10 out of every $100 that we in and that we earn. We should give God $100 out of every $1000 that we earn. You say, well, where should we give our tithe? Should we give it to the radio broadcast? Should we give it to the TV preacher? Should we give it to our online church? No. It says to bring all the tithes into the storehouse. I still believe in biblical storehouse tithing. That you should bring your tithe to your local church and give to your local church that they may provide for the ministries that they may be able to operate and to be a local assembly reaching the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should engage in action in our giving. Also, the fourth area that we should engage in action is going. We have been called to go. In Matthew chapter number 8, we have the Great Commission. Jesus says, All authority, all power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. And then He says, Go ye therefore into all the world. Did you know the first two letters of the word gospel is G-O. Did you understand? Do you understand that the first two letters in the name God are G-O? God has called us to go. As we go, we should be getting outside of the four walls of our church assembly and taking the gospel to the world. Mark 16 and verse number 15, He says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Listen, brother and sister, 
We are to engage in action. We are in a war. These are the positive engagements we prepare by studying God's Word. We pray for God's will to be done. We give a tithe and above. We go to share the gospel with others. And I want to share with you the fourth thing that we must do to be a soldier that pleases Jesus Christ is there's an entanglement to avoid. We must avoid being entangled. Look what he says in verse 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We see here that we must not be entangled with the affairs of this life. This word entangleth, it speaks of hair that has been braided and twisted and matted together. When hair is braided, it becomes unable to be distinguished, unable to be identified. Brother and sister, we are not to be like the world. We are not to talk like the world. We are not to behave like the world. We are not to dress like the world. We are not to do what those lost people of the world do. We are to be separate from the world and to come out from them. The Bible tells us in John chapter 17 verse 15 and 16 that we are in the world but we are not of the world. Brother and sister, we need to be sure that they can tell a difference between us and a lost person. There should be a distinguishing difference in the way that we operate as children of God. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11 and 12 Listen to what the Spirit of God says through the Apostle Peter. Dearly beloved, he's speaking to believers. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold... Glorify God in the day of visitation. God wants us to not be so entangled with this world that we're just like the world. You can please your commanding officer. You must enlist in the army. That means you need to be saved. You must endure in adversity. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy and that the hills would not be hard to climb. But He promised He would never leave us or forsake us. Listen, if we want to please God, we must engage in the action. We must get on the front lines in the heat of the battle and fight for souls of men, women, boys, and girls. We need to take as many people to heaven with us as is possible. And we must avoid being entangled 
in this world.